to our Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies, gentlemen, kids, another Browns victory. Six, seven, and one. Um, a primetime affair where, guys, I was at a Christmas party earlier tonight. Everybody was interested. Everybody was watching. Um, we're going to break it down here. Uh, offensively, Baker Mayfield, obviously not his best day as a pro. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, Jabril Peppers, and this is something that's been going on here for a while with, you know, whether it's Pete, whether it's me, and a lot of other, you know, guys who f- write about the Browns and cover the Browns the way we all do. A solid, solid NFL player who is not getting the recognition he, recognition he deserves. But this is your MyBookie.com Locked On Browns postgame show. Joining, as always, Pete Smith. Um, Pete, we're going to start with the offensive side of the ball. But first, give me your initial reaction. And look, ugly, ugly win on the road. But this is what good teams do. So there's two things. First, you you mentioned it. I was going to hit on that, and and I'll, I'll go off of that. Is this is this is what good playoff teams do? Is they win a game when their quarterback doesn't have a great game. They find a way to sort of gut one out when their stars don't perform and other guys step up. The other part of this is is when you went into the season, you were thinking, you know, obviously after Tyrod got hurt and Mayfield sort of took over, uh, is is you were thinking to yourself when you have a rookie quarterback. These are the type of games you win where a quarterback makes enough plays, avoids enough mistakes that the team is sort of able to rise up and win around him. That's largely the type of win you've seen from Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. Uh, To this point, none of those rules have really applied to Baker Mayfield just because he's been so much better than everybody else. And he's held to a real standard, which is a credit to him. But this was the type of game that all those other guys win, and they get a ton of praise. And certainly there are things that you can talk about with Mayfield, like hanging in there and making a few big plays to help them win the game. But overall, if, if you're just saying, on the, you know, if you're putting this on the Baker Mayfield scale, this is one of the worst games he's played this year. Uh, but as I'm sure he's talking about right now, that's okay if, if certainly he's going to be hard on himself. He's always his own – uh, harshest critic, but he—I'm sure it's—it's not—not as bad when you play poorly in his mind and get the W like you did. And that's the thing, and, and this is where you show the team aspect of it. Um, you know, Baker look obviously had a rough outing, and whether it was the prime time, whether it was the altitude of Denver, whether it was the just hey, you know, you can't con. It's very hard to sustain the level of play that he has been playing at. You know, coming into this under the Freddie and Greg regime, seventy-three percent completion percentage. Uh, Brent Sobolewski put up the uh, t- tweet today. He he had more incompletions in the first quarter than he in the the entire game last week. But there's going to be these day, these days, whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Peyton Manning, whatever elite quarterback you want to put out there. There's going to be days where he's just off. And that was part of it today. So this is the thing. And we won't really know the reason, but there's a couple of things we can definitely say contribute to care. Baker Mayfield's day. And we don't care right. about the reason. Right, right. But first and foremost, the Browns have a path to the playoffs. And it's a big game on national TV 
on the road against a team that historically, you know, certainly a, a big rivalry, even if these players in particular don't really know each other from, from anyone. Uh, and then the pressure was getting to him a little bit. You saw him falling off throws you normally don't see. They're making it more difficult for him to do what he normally likes to do, which is just let the outside rushers fly by and stuff up in the pocket. He was having a little more trouble doing that. In some respects, he looked a little bit like Jared Goff did against the Bears. It wasn't as bad, but you could still see some throws that, you know, that, that had he stepped into uh, better, had he shifted his weight better, you would have had some better results. The altitude thing, sure. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't know enough about it to really guess into that. Uh, but I, I do think part of it is is the pressure he puts on himself, and that I think, in the same way with the Houston Texans game, and it certainly wasn't to that point. I, I do think there's a part of him was thinking, uh, I've got to again, I've got to get go into go into the booth and be Superman here. And and initially with the touchdown to Perryman which was an unbelievable throw and catch, that's what he looked like. But then when you get into you know forcing passes, like he did with that Landry pass that had no business going there and then was intercepted uh, and there was before nobody, the half. Nobody was open on that play. Nobody. So, Just drill the ball at the 15-yard line, you know, kill a worm, do what you got to do. And then, and then a few, and it, you know, like the one where he slipped a, a – a pass rush and it looked great and then held the ball along and then ran back into the pass rush. You just evaded to get sacked like that. Those type of things. Certainly you, you love his ability to extend plays, but there were a couple of situations where in addition to the forcing of the passes, I think he tried to, I think he tried to extend plays that he needed to get out of. And, and that's the patience you sort of have to evolve, uh, evolve into now, again, just like with the Texans game, I think his second half was significantly better than his first half. Uh, even if the numbers aren't going to say, you know, he was outstanding like he was in that game, but he did less to sort of put them in bad situation and was able to make a, uh, a few key plays. But the, the the larger point, especially on the offensive guy, uh, offensive side of the ball, was his teammates stepping up, like Nick Chubb, like David Njoku, like another nice game, like uh, uh, save the incredibly stupid uh, incident after he got the flag from Antonio Callaway, he had a great game and, and it's marred by that. But like those guys really stepped up and helped them out. And, and, and I was really happy to see that. But again, you're seeing just how valuable Nick Chubb is. He's the closer. He's the most consistent player on this offense. In a lot of ways, he's really becoming sort of the thermostat of this team where he, you know, he, he, he can just, he can make things happen and he sort of gets everybody he, – he stays cool when he needs to and he can sort of raise the temperature of everybody else and, and make a play and get everybody sort of rallied and all that stuff, which is great. And and, and he's just – this was a game where you just see how valuable and how, how, how much better he is than everybody else as far as skill players go. Well, the thing with Baker is, look, and, and this is something he's going to have to learn – and Baker Mayfield, who will ever forever carry this chip on his shoulder of a lot of people thought I wasn't good enough, a lot of people thought I was too small, this, that, and the other thing, you do not need to play hero ball. But there were a lot of checkdowns today that were open, and that's something, and you got to learn to fight for the next play, whether it's a Peyton Manning, whether it's a Tom Brady, and Baker may have these abilities as a quarterback, Sometimes getting three yards, four yards, it's fine. Just take it. It's Novocaine. 
It's it, it, it's simple. It works. Not everything's got to be big, but the Jarvis Landry interception, you know, the one over his head, there was nobody open. It was it, it was a bad play on his part. And it, there's you know whether somebody's got to grab him sometimes and say, look, you can't be the most amped up guy in the huddle because you're the one everybody's looking at. Just do what it's going to come. Uh, you know, could they have won this game by ten? Sure, they easily could have won this game by ten. So you have to understand that. And as far as the Nick Chubb and the closer, Pete, if you check your DMs, I sent you one. You dick, you stole my game notes, but I stole you. Well, I said it. I said it. I said it in the tweets during the game, sir. But uh, okay. you know, look, but listen. There are certain things that Nick Chubb can that do. That forty-yard that- run. That was just. I mean, it, the game was over right then and there. And that is what Nick Chubb can do. And he will give you the, you know, north-south. You know, get was there. Everything. But there's times where you can look at him as an elite back and that type of guy and say, look, we need a big play right now. And boom, he gave it. Right. And, and you know, up until that 40-yard run, you didn't feel like Nick Chubb had a great game. He, that would have been – it would have been 19 carries for 60 yards other than that. But that's what he can do. Like he's always one play away from breaking that big one. And, and the holding penalty on Greg Robinson earlier prevented another one uh, where he had a great hole. I really liked what I saw from uh, I saw from Johnson in the running game. Like hey, I liked how they sort of mixed that nice up. To see him again. Yeah, that this was. It wasn't a huge amount of Duke Johnson, but it was eight touches of a of a very refreshing amount of Duke Johnson. Uh, and I and I think what he does for this offense, it, it's hard to dismiss. And I know people sort of forget about him and stuff, but he's a really good football player. It's a shame these you know. That that, that that not everybody like you know Sonny Michelle's of the world can't do what Nick Chubb can do but you know that's how special he is compared to everybody else uh, alright I see I slipped that one in there and we'll let you I'll, I'll give you that one because I'm feeling good Brashard Perriman and Pete this is and we started this with the Kansas City game where he got involved um, first things first all of a sudden I mean I don't want to say he's glue but the guy is money, and the catch he made, and you know, all credit to the defensive, uh, you know, the defensive back for the Broncos, completely one hundred ten percent on him. But can somebody? I mean, first things first, Pete, you can gloat on him a little bit. But can somebody talk to his agent? I want Brashard Perriman here. I do. I need him. Um. Yeah. So. I don't. Th- I think it's been so long that people forget what this dude looked like at, at, at UCF. I mean, um, I mean, built like a Greek god, runs like a freaking track guy, and but you know had three, four years down in Baltimore where he couldn't catch a cold and was constantly hurt. But there's talent in this guy, a lot of it. But I think that 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 touchdown catch was vintage what he was at UCF and why people thought he, he could go high. I, I never thought he was a first-round guy. I thought he was more of a second-round guy. But it, it, nevertheless, you, you saw what you had to work with uh, in terms of talent. Now, I, I still have questions with him. Uh, you know, he had one catch for 31 yards in the touchdown. It, certainly, it was a huge play. Uh, the, for the second, second week in a row, uh, it was the first drive, tone-setter type play, which is great. Um and, and that's where I, you know, and we talked about in the pregame. There's a lot of stuff in the pregame that that 
it was it was uh, spot on. I'm I'm just gonna say that. But uh, again, look, it's again <laughs> these teams start listening to this stuff, we're in trouble. But uh, it's not a one guy is going to have this big day. It's going to be and that's where who's we- going to get open. And and Baker's going to find it and make it work. Now it wasn't That's as good we get as it has been. With the Odell Beckham's and the you don't need this. Just Baker will find the open guy. But go ahead, Pete. So I mean, look, it, it, it's the the advantage you have with this offense as it is now, and certainly it's not a finished product in terms of what you want to see. Is they've got a bunch of different guys who do different things, and with Freddie Kitchens, who's who's I didn't think had a great game, but. I don't think the coaching staff had a great game overall, but uh, it, what it allows him to do is it allows it to take these guys with these specific skill sets and let him sort of move them around. They, at this point, they're like chess pieces in the fact that they all have different sort of moves they can do, uh, and and they can match stuff up. So, like, you know, last week, the first play of the game was three tight ends and Brashad Perryman, and they went deep on that deep ball. You know, the number one receiver? No, but it, they don't have one. They have a bunch of guys you can put in spots, and you find what works for them. And 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 whether it was Callaway on those slants, which is becoming a real staple in this offense, or Richard Higgins on the uh, you know those drive extending, yep, roll that, out, match, that chemistry they have yep. together. Uh, you know, Jarvis Landry not not as not as great as he was last week, but he's got his little his little things he can do uh, that in this case, you know, in the one it was, you know, they jumped a, a screen and he was open and it was just a matter of he, 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 he's the most veteran guy. So he had a good sense of knowing that he had the space, making sure he was ready to get the ball and, and being able to make a play. But it's just the, the, as much as, you know, everybody's like, well, they need a number one receiver. They need a number one receiver. What they really need is a bunch of guys who just fit roles and are really good at them. They don't have enough, Great role players, but they have you know guys that can do stuff, and Mayfield's a guy who can make stuff happen. So, and you mentioned Odell Beckham or whatever. Yeah, you know it'd be great to have that guy where you know it was like uh, a Devonte Adams type where, with Derek Carr of Fresno State and that type of stuff. But or New Hopkins with with Deshaun Watson. But with what you really just need are a bunch of guys who can do different things. And that's what's working, and why I like the marriage of him, Mayfield, and Kitchens to this point. And and David Ajoku, and there was the play, you know, the twenty yard reception earlier, where David was, you know, five six yards. <laughs> Excuse guys, and he extended and got depth, and you know Baker found him and turned the twenty yard twenty yard reception, moved the sticks. You need to have guys who have. Football intelligent to play with Baker Mayfield because he's going to extend plays. You've got to find the open area. You've got to run your routes correctly. You've got to catch the ball consistently, and that is the most impressive part. And guys, as we sit, go ahead. I was going to say numbers wise, you know, David Njoku two catches for thirty for thirty yards. It, he and both plays were for, or three catches for thirty yards. Both those catches were good. His overall game today was the most complete. Uh, I think I've seen this year in that, look, nobody wants to see him single blocking Bradley Chubb. He had a hell of a rep. Like, you're not going to win that matchup, but he did enough to sort of slow him down. And then another play where he run blocks uh, and, and drives his dude off the ball enough that that it makes it so now, now Nick Chubb can easily shed him and keep running. Like, 
this is sort of again we we talk about this and, and everybody you know doesn't like it it sounds like an excuse he's, he's 22, 22. <laughs> he's still figuring this stuff out and you're seeing this guy slowly evolve where you have games like the you know uh where, where he looks dominant and, and other games uh like last week where i i think he filled his role nicely but the, you know you want him to be able to take advantage of those opportunities when you get him and today it's three catches it's 30 yards but the one was through that holding penalty the, the other you know the officiating you know maybe he probably maybe probably could have gotten that uh first down there uh he but, but that's even- the effort piece like he didn't do like what was it? A couple weeks ago, he ran out of bounds, stupidly short of a first down. He didn't need to. You're seeing this dude sort of grow up before your eyes, and that's why, uh, you know, one of the reasons, you know, is certainly the winning and everything else, but why the character of this team and the guys on this team are certainly fun to root for because you're actually getting to see this team sort of grow up right in front of you. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, and, and what you guys don't understand, and whether it's a Peppers or it's a Garrett or it's a David Njoku, you were talking. I mean. If you're looking at it from a college football standpoint, these guys are like redshirt freshmen. They're just out there with all the ability they have making things happen. Guys, use your Locked On Browns post-game edition brought to you tonight by my, MyBookie.com. Guys, as I will always tell you, you want betting advice, I will give you, if you want picks, if you want fantasy advice, I will give it to you. But one of the most important things is who you are betting with as opposed to who you're betting on. That's where MyBookie.com comes in. They have... Uh, in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy points scored, and the most reward, m- most rewarding player, uh, player perks in the business. They've been in business for years. Uh, online reviews are fantastic. They also have you know a simple, clean, simp- easy uh, site to use, uh, mobile app to use. MyBookie.com is currently slammed with prospective new members. So what you do is register after 7 p.m. Eastern. MyBookie.com will give you a free $25 for doing that. They will also match your initial deposit. So $100 after 7 p.m. Eastern, $200, an extra $25, $225. Guys, this will carry you to the Super Bowl if you know what you're doing and you know how to bet correctly. MyBookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. MyBookie.com, you play, you win, you get paid. If you need a promo code, locked on, capital L, capital O, locked on 25, all together, locked on 25, MyBookie.com. Pete, we're going to switch it up to the other side of the ball here. Um, and I'm just going to go right here. And, Pete, we take a lot of heat for this. And, look, I don't know if it's because of the fact that he played at Michigan. But Jabril Peppers, first things first, he does schematically and defensively what you ask him to do. So sometimes you don't always see the playmaking ability. But, good God, you do not win this game today without Jabril Peppers an absolute freaking stud. You look, he's been a good player this year. And 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 some of this is and this the and box like we said aspect. this is another one. This is Najoku. This is another guy just finding his way. Yeah, uh, this is this is you know, some of this is the box score. Some of this is is you know, you get this oh, he only had, you know, two tackles or whatever it was. You don't see the amount of things he's able to do in this game, you got to see everything from the the, the blowing up plays, 
the the biggest thing that should stand out to you if you even if you're just looking at highlights is his speed and his range and one of the things like i know a lot of people were down on this uh down on him playing free safety last year and, and thought it was a wasted year and i've always maintained that as much as first he got a lot better in the second half of the year but second i always looked at this as a potential benefit for him because he was never asked to play in space really at Michigan. He was always sort of down in the box or, or locked up on somebody or, or or playing a relatively small area of the field. And last year, when you know, for all the horrible ideas and everything, you know, you sort of understood the fact they didn't trust the corners, they didn't want to get beat deep. But he had to learn how to play in all of that space, and and it was obviously really really rough. But you saw on this on that pick, he goes from basically the opposite hash. He, he must have covered further. 25, 30 yards. And he flies back the ball. And, and somebody, you know, I, I saw, I think, Brent Sobleski uh, compared it to punt returning. But to me, that was that was free safety. That was what he learned last year. And what it allows you to do now is is you can have him and Demarius Randall divide the field in half. And now you've got two guys who can fly around and and this is sort of the last piece of the puzzle for him is is you know the other thing people like to criticize Peppers on is well he he he's good in the box what else can he do like they and they sort of equate him with being well he's just he's just another Derek Kindred now you're sort of seeing uh, you know his evolution and how good he can be how far does that go I don't know but you know if you were to look at him and you're you know is he Troy Palomalu no but he does all of those things that can just really make you a dominant football team. And then, and then what does he do? He, he caps it off. Like there is nobody who is more dominant in this game than Jabril Peppers. This was the Jabril Peppers game. If you're looking at it Coming like that. Coming out party, whatever term you want to use. But, but he just, from start to finish, basically like the first series of the game, he started by setting the tone. And then the last play of the game, he comes in and just, he it's like a missile. That play never had a chance and he absolutely blew it up. But he just, and, and and he's a great kid. Like he's easy to root for. Like he he he's just awesome. And and how he deals with kids. I, I'll tell you, having seen him uh, up close uh, dealing with it, kids love him. Absolutely adore him. And he's great with them. And it, it makes it very easy to root for. And all these people talk about all these chemistry guys. Like Jabril Peppers is a huge chemistry culture guy. Uh, very popular in the locker room. And, and so, again, just like with Njoku, just like with Gary, just like with all these other guys, you're seeing this dude grow up before your eyes. And, you know, where's the, where's the, the ceiling? In I don't know. But, it's, you know, it's a fun ride to see what he does. And then you get a game like this. And maybe this lets him potentially you know become a, a not even a star but just an upper echelon regarded strong safety and, and all the things he can do for you the other thing with great the other thing with uh Jabril peppers i point out is it makes it a hell of a like at some point you and i are going to get deeper into the coaching thing but if you're greg williams and you're and you're saying you want to be that coach and i don't know if he does or doesn't or you want to be the defensive coordinator or whatever but the case is can, being made Right, but but you can certainly say if you're Greg Williams, you walk in there and go look at look at Jabril Peppers, look what he can do in my defense and all the things I can let him do and all these things. Like he was a huge campaigner to get Jabril Peppers in the first place, and you're starting to see why and just how much value he has in this defense. Which you know, 
And I'm not saying that a new defensive coordinator would would get rid of him or or whatever, but you can certainly see where Greg Williams can go and puff out his chest and go, man, I can look at what I can do. I can really maximize this kid. Well, and this is the thing in what we talked about when you have these young guys, st- get them in a position where they're comfortable. And then when and we've gotten this, and it was it went back to the Atlanta game, and Jabril Peppers had you know the plays in the end zone. And there was a you know a cover two on the sideline where he you know separated a guy, delivered a lick, get them comfortable, and then ask for a little bit more. And um, just you know an early hint, and this is not the final grade, but um, PFFF, uh, PFF, uh, John Costco kind of sent me over a message. Um, early run on Jabril Peppers is a PFF grade north of ninety guys. So a great, great day coming out for him. At least the second time he's done that this year. Absolutely. Um, what we're going to get to next, Pete, um, Miles Garrett. Um, here's my issue. If they're not going to freaking call holding, then you can't call him for offsides. I'm sorry. They're never going to call holding or mugging or, you know, a you know, I don't know. It, it's ridiculous. Um, look, he may jump off, but I mean, is this guy ever going to get the respect he freaking deserves as an elite pass rusher? Yeah, the 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 way. First and foremost, he's an absolute monster. Like what he's able to do, he's just an absolute phenomenon. But it, it, like, I thought that police chokehold stuff wasn't legal, and yet that seems to be <laughs> the the go to move for some of these guys. Where it's not even like holding anymore it's like no but it's, it's even like they like they know, like they're expecting head. the flag like they're expecting the flag like look i did everything i could to expect you know protect my quarterback it's ridiculous there, he would like never get one ever like the only the like when he wins it's because he was able to a he's just too fast in, in general but it's when he's able to really hand fight and keep keep the guy off him because they're just going to grab him and and like we talked about with cam newton they're two of the worst worst officiated players in the league and it's like dealing with Shaq. They don't know how to officiate him. And and I and I've maintained. I think at least half the calls for offsides are wrong. Uh, but he's just too fast. And they don't know what to do with him. But a lot of the time, like when when they call him offsides, he's actually just moving down to like get his burst and time the snap up. But he's like timing the snap right or even just behind, and he's getting called for it. And and you know I'm all for it. I, I, I think somebody referred – he may have even referred to it as basically saying, you know, sometimes LeBron James gets five fouls. Like, the, I have no problem with what he's doing. Like, I know it frustrates people, but look, he terrifies people uh, in terms of what they do. But, yeah, it's it's infuriating how good he is and at the same time how difficult the league allows it to be for him to play. And, and, and he still, you know, made a big impact. He's still – like, every play – uh, like the guy, the other guy who was sort of the beneficiary, I think, in this game is Emmanuel Ogba because they kept rolling him right, like trying to let him escape, and Ogba just kept sort of a looking healthier, but kept bursting upfield and like cutting it off, so that Keenum would basically just have to get get out of the play. But that seemed to be their response: is just get Keenum. If you feel anything, just immediately roll out right and hope for the best. Well, and that's one of the things I also come back to, though, with Case Keenum is, remember, we talked about it. How did Minnesota give up on all these quarterbacks? And I guess you kind of saw it tonight with Case Keenum, why they gave up on all those quarterbacks. Sure. I mean, and part of it is, look, you know, I like Cortland Sutton. I think he's going to be a nice player. 
they had nothing really weapon wise. It was brutal, and, and they and they still got more than they should have, especially in the first half. Uh, as far as like some of the plays they were able to get, they just found some wide open dudes. But I mean, especially in the second half, like those guys get, just got shut down. I, I don't know if either. Uh, Cortland Sutton or the Lacoste dude caught a ball in the second half. It just seemed like they really clamped down. They 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 really were able to uh, slow down Philip Lindsay. He had 24 yards on the ground on 14 carries. Like I know, like some people get caught up in numbers and stuff, but as much as you know, like I I think team in some ways fans are still like hoping the Browns are going to shut teams out and and hold them to like zero yards and. I, there were things I didn't like about the game plan, but the thing was, like, they basically said Philip Lindsay's not going to beat us, and he didn't. And they gave up 257 yards to Case Keenum, and and Tim Patrick with 65 yards, for example, doesn't look great. But Philip Lindsay didn't beat you. You gave up some yards, and ultimately that was more than enough to win. Uh, and and you know this is against the backdrop where you know the offense didn't have a great game like 16 points is holding a team to 16 points is usually a pretty good indication you're going to win a game uh it, it, it i think they're going to get a little bit of flack for how the uh how some of the yardage went but it's mostly because the offense didn't do what they were supposed to do that this game was as close as it was and the defense was even in position to sort of give up some late plays and make that uh that that last drive a little more stressful than it probably should have been well, and here's the other thing. I'm going to get back to Cortland Sutton and Lacoste, whatever his name is. Um, what the hell are you guys celebrating for like your freaking goddamn Jerry Rice? I mean, Cortland Sutton, five catches for 42 yards. Every catch, the spinning of the ball. Lacoste, every time it didn't work out for him, he's looking for a flag. Guys, you were and now he's, what were they now, a six and eight Denver team? Who are you guys? I mean, what is going on there? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was generally bizarre. Like every time it was as if Cortland Sutton, every time he caught a ball, it was as if he never caught a pass before right? Uh, or that he won the game. I, I, I don't know which it was, but it was weird. And I, I mean, whatever, you get yourself pumped up. The only thing I didn't like was that, that like, I, I don't know if it's like the same rules as like a school dance or whatever when it comes to taunting. But, like, it seems to be entirely based on how, how close you are to the opponent when you do it. Because, you know, the stuff that uh, that Callaway got called for, uh, like, Cortland Sutton did more than enough on the same level. But he was just further away from the guy, so he didn't get called for it. It was, like, it was just bizarre. But, yeah, that, this is the problem is once Manuel Sanders went down – they got nobody, and, and, and those guys may get a lot better, but it isn't going to be this year, and it certainly wasn't today. And, and that's the weirdest part of it all. Um, Pete, look, uh, you know, we're going to roll on in. Uh, Cincinnati at home next uh, – I'm sorry, Cincinnati at home next week, color rush, all that good stuff. I mean, you're talking 7-7-1 seven, seven most likely going into week 17? I mean, look, they need help. Uh, they well, need the course. Steelers. They need the Steelers to lose to the Patriots. Uh, they but, need. But even still, I, before we even address playoffs, there's a strong possibility of eight, seven, and one. Well, they, what makes it interesting is where this ends up. In the in in the whole th- and the only reason I mentioned playoffs is because if they do beat Cincinnati, uh, and they should. 
then they're they're against the Ravens in sort of a control your own destiny matchup and in a team they already beat once. But what could be really a passing of the torch moment, uh, and, and that's not going to be official until they inevitably beat the Steelers. Uh, and, and and I don't think there's any doubt that's going to be on primetime next year. That's uh, th- there might not be a safer bet than Bronze Steelers on one of those. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, those Ravens Steelers primetime games, those aren't happening anymore it's going to be more brown Steelers that that has shifted but I, I I do think as much as you know we talk about how unlikely the playoffs are I do think there's a part of this where they really do feed off that whether it's rational or irrational or whatever because uh, they're young and yeah. they don't know better and they're like yeah. all right let's go we'll, we'll we'll bite at the apple but we have to talk about the end of the, the fourth down we have to talk about the, like I am a hundred percent for Greg Williams going forward on fourth and one, hundred percent. I thought everything else after that was clunky as hell. Uh, but I, you know, here's the thing for me anyway. The exact opposite thing the Broncos did, where Vance Joseph basically said to his team subconsciously, and I have no doubt all those guys on his sideline were sitting there. Let's go for it, coach. If they can't get it, we can stop. Oh, them. that was so or whatever. Funny. And they kick the field goal to be losing, uh-huh. and how deflating that is for a team. Meanwhile, Greg Williams gets to send the message: "Look, man. First and foremost, I believe the offense could get this. But if I if they don't, if for whatever reason they don't get it, I've got a defense that's going to make the play. And the the difference in how teams feed off that, neg- positively or negatively, is enormous. And I think Greg Williams. One of the things I like about him, and I think he's a better head coach than he's a defensive coordinator. Uh, I think he gets it, and and he mishandled everything else after the decision to go for it, 100%. His um, timeout just botched up freaking everything the game was over then. Right. So, I mean, look, he screwed up, and there's no question about that. And, and, Which is going to happen because he hasn't been a head coach in ages. Well, the other part of this is it hasn't happened. Like, this is the first, you know, thing. It just happened to be on national TV and everything else. Uh, and fortunately, they still win. But – the thing is with Greg Williams that I like is he's always going to go for the win. He's always going to go for the win. And, and, and the we've fourth talked and three this. early in the game, absolutely. But they they instill this confidence in this. People talk about culture, but that's part of that is this idea that we're always going to go for. We're always going to go for go for the win. And that's something you can really build around. And I think that's really resonating with these these young players in particular because they're seeing it and that, that sort of builds on itself. But you know, I, I know a lot of people are talking about the field goal. First and foremost, what in this special teams have you seen that gives you any confidence they would have made that? The, my only issue with, with the fourth down call is, is how they actually did it. Like, Throw it! I didn't. Put the well, ball in Baker's hand. That that's that's ultimately where you end up on this. You have Baker Mayfield, and and which says a lot because he's a rookie. But you have Baker Mayfield with some sort of run pass option, or what made this? This is what made that third and one to me so weird earlier in the game uh, when when they snuck. Like this, the would have been the time for that play to to really go for that and just say screw it I'm gonna get get it in my playmaker's hand or whatever or fake that and you know some sort of pitch pass whatever but the overall attitude that Greg Williams brings in that respect is phenomenal and and I just think it's 
great fit for what these these players need. And whether or not he is ultimately going to be the head coach of this team or not, I do think he was absolutely the right man for the job for this team at this moment and what they're doing right now. And I, I do agree with you there. And he may backdoor himself into being head coach of this team. And look, it could be a short run. Who knows? Guys, this is your Lockdown Browns post-game show brought to you by MyBookie.com. Lockdown Cav, Chris Manning, doing a fantastic job over there. Guys, so um, as he guides you through a tough season, go ahead and uh, follow along. Download, subscribe. Chris Manning's doing a fantastic job over there. Uh, Pete, is there anything we didn't get to here yet? Um, well, there's, I mean, there's a couple things. Uh, I thought the offensive tackles were... I think Greg Robinson's okay. I think inconsistency still going to be a bug with him. But between Houston, between Denver, two sacks combined with teams that we went into the pregame show saying these guys have the elite of the elite of the pass rushers. Right. So, and I, I'm where I have been. I want us. I want Greg. And Robinson. keep in mind, one of them, though, was, one of them was a handoff that went went awry. So, yeah. I, like I'm. I'm. 100% on this. I'm still not sold. I'll be curious what the, the you know the grades and all that stuff are, and you know, and the tape and all that. But I, I still don't love Chris Hubbard. I, I don't think I'm ever going to love Chris Hubbard. He's always going to leave something. Uh, there's just more I'd like to see. I, I, the interior of the offensive line did fine. I don't think they were as good as they have been. Uh, you know, led to some discomfort for for Mayfield and, and some of that stuff. Uh, I guess the the last thing it, that we talked about in the pregame that I thought was going to be a decided advantage, and ultimately it still was. I thought the coaching for the Browns would be even was bet would be better than it was. I thought uh, Kitchens would have a better game than he did. Uh, I thought Greg was okay. Obviously, the the fourth quarter was a fiasco at the end. Um, but it, it pays to have Vance Joseph on the other side of the ball completely help you at, seemingly at every step of the game. And then Bill Musgrave is just a disaster as an offensive coordinator. But, uh, you know, for this is the conversation is, is who's going to be the coach of this team. Uh, I thought this was a great opportunity for them to really take a firm grasp of that. And, and, and they won. Don't get me wrong. But I, it wasn't as good as maybe I thought it could be. Uh, from that standpoint, it should have been cleaner. I agree with you 100%. And maybe some of it has, has to do with the fact that Baker was not at his A game today. Um, you maybe get a C game from Baker Mayfield. But and as we started the show with, guys, this is what good teams do in road games against teams that don't have the talent that you are. You find a way and you make it happen. Guys, this has been your Locked On Browns post game edition. Six, seven, and one now, guys. After the victory today over the Denver Broncos on, on in prime time, did Baker maybe catch a little bit of the prime time fever? Possibly. Did it have to do with the altitude? Did it have to do with the pressure? It doesn't matter. He threw for less than two hundred yards. You guys won the game. Nick Chubb, bam! Effort late in the fourth quarter, forty-yard run, flipped the script on everything. Uh, Jabril Peppers. Uh, Miles Garrett is always going to be a force, but you talk about this team and you talk about what they have and the age that some of these stars of this team are at. And guys, there's no reason to not get your expectations hyped to beyond belief. This could be a really good thing. 
Um, you've already shown, look, you got Cincinnati next week, Jeff Driscoll, we've already seen that. You've got Baltimore, look, Lamar Jackson, the way he runs around, who knows if he will play Week 17. Um, Lamar Jackson's a great player, and it's something you have to deal with for the next few years. He's going to become the Ben Roethlisberger of you know how you get through the AFC North. But guys, it's a really good time. It's a really good product. Um, so much to discuss about the future, but look, guys, there's no reason to discuss the future just yet because it's December. You just won this game, week 16, week 17. There's still a lot on the table here. Keep playing football. Keep playing 60 minutes. Give your all. Kudos to Jabril Peppers. Kudos to Nick Chubb. Brashard Perriman. There's so many other guys. But guys, it is a lot. It is a lot of fun right now. Covering this team, doing this podcast, having Pete on, having all the guys that we have on the show. We're enjoying this, guys, because it's been a long time. You can get this amped up about the Cleveland Browns franchise. Follow Pete's work over at uh, NFL Spin Zone. Follow Pete Smith. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, guys. We always give follow back. Follow it there. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, in, uh, iTunes, ratings, reviews, whatever podcast app you do. Guys, please drop some ratings, drop some reviews. I do appreciate it. Helps the show grow as we grow. Um, who knows what's going to go on for the next two weeks. But guys, hang your hat. Enjoy every second of this because it's been a long time coming. Everybody deserves it. Everybody needs it. Going to Christmas time, got a winning football team. So much fun to enjoy. So much fun to go through. So much fun to cover. As we always say, as we close it out, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.